My name is Peter. I'm a, I'm a congregant here at the river. I've been here for several years. My family and I have been part of the church uh, for, for a while. And um, I'm not on staff, but I do a lot around here. I head up the prayer team, and, uh, and sometimes I, I speak. Uh, I give the sermon, which is what I'm doing today. And I just wanted to welcome everybody. If you're here for the first time, a special welcome to you. And, um, you know, we're going to have the sermon now, and then we'll have some uh, songs and later on, an opportunity to get prayer. So um, let's, let's, get, let's, let's go. And a little bit about myself. I'm a, <clears throat> I've been a reporter on and off for like 25 years. And um, I wanted to start out by sharing something valuable that I picked up along the way as a reporter. And I guess you could sum it up as learning to appreciate reality. Or maybe you could say not getting unsettled when the facts when the facts don't cooperate. You know, people from other professions can probably relate to what I'm about to describe now. So, you know, as a reporter, I might get a tip that looked like the kernel of a really juicy story, right? You know, a quick look at the details, I do some Googling, and I'm thinking, yeah, this, is, this could form the basis of a pretty solid article, and I wouldn't have to do a huge amount of work. So I'd be kind of excited about my day, things would be looking up, but then I would start to make some calls, okay? You see, in journalism, you actually have to check the facts. You have to talk to the people involved. You have to do everything you can to reach them. And that actually is what you have to do, regardless of what a certain presidential candidate's saying right now. Um, and you interview the people involved in the situation, or you speak to people who know far more about the subject than you do. And usually when you start to make those calls, you find out that the facts on the ground are not so clear-cut, right? They're just not. It's not black and white. In fact, there's so many areas of gray, so many shades of gray, that I'm wondering, is there even a story here at all? And if I do decide to press on, I, I know it's going to be so much work to nail everything down, and I feel a little demoralized. And that happens to me a lot, okay? But here's the thing. The longer that I was a reporter, the more I appreciated having my thesis contradicted by what I turned up. You know, part of me really began to like being challenged by reality. You know, if the reporting process forced me to look at different things that challenged my, my preconceptions, I kind of liked it. It was, it was fun almost fun to have inconvenient facts thrust in my face. And I felt it deepened my understanding of the things I wrote about. I became a better listener, a more empathetic person. I might even have gained a modicum of intellectual humility. Maybe. I don't know. And I think it actually led me to write better stories overall. You know, one of the questions you ask yourself as a reporter and, you know, reporters are always looking for controversial subjects because that's where the stories are, right? But one of the questions you should sort of have as a motto, I think, is, am I bringing light or heat to this issue? You know, going for the quick, simplistic, hot take is bringing heat to a situation. That doesn't help anyone. But making a good faith effort to understand what really is going on is bringing light. And that's what good journalists do. So why am I telling you this? Not because I want to sound incredibly wise or because I'm this amazing journalist. I'm neither of those things. My point is, guys, that when we look closely, 
Real life is unclear, it's messy, it's baffling, it surprises us. Relationships and uh, people's motivations don't really lend themselves to easy diagnoses or interpretations. And over time, you realize that you actually have, you want to learn stuff about what's going on, you have to get to know people, you have to sit with them, you have to understand them. And it's a really good idea to apply whatever discernment we have very carefully and you can't expect what worked in the past to always work in, in, in today. And, and perhaps the most important thing is that you realize you have to see the best in people. And if we take that approach to life, I think we'll come across a lot of opportunities to tap into what we're calling the richness of life. Okay, we're doing this great sermon series called Find the Richness in Every Today. And, and, and that richness is anything that gives us life to the full right? Jesus made a famous promise, a compelling promise. He said this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so in this sermon series, our aim is to show that God is present in each of our lives, right? He can take whatever is going on, right? Whatever is going on right now, insert himself into it and use it to give us life to the full or richness of life, whatever you want to call it. You see, one of the things I learned very early on when I started following Jesus in my, in my late 20s, and this is what I always thought, I always thought that God thought that we were kind of insignificant. Why would God care about us, right? But one of the first things I learned, and it blew my mind, was that God does not see our lives as insignificant. In fact, our lives is where Jesus wants to be. And Jesus wants to be there because he loves us, and he also wants to be there because he wants to do good things in our lives, right? And he doesn't stop doing these good things. Like, right from my late 20s, when I first sort of started following Jesus till to now, I've noticed that Jesus keeps upping the ante when it comes to goodness. You know, right now, he's doing that for me. Um, soon, I'm not going to tell you when, because I don't want that annoying Facebook birthday thing happening. Soon, I'm going to be 50. Right. <laughs> Um, and that forces one to seek perspective on life, right? When you hit that half century, you're like, what's it all about? You know, and um, yeah, it's about buying and, you know, it's, um, and so maybe that's why I was, you know, recently thinking about kind of what's been uplifting in my life, what I want more of in my life, what I want to do more as I go forward. And I was praying about this and somewhere in that sort of messy back and forth with God, two things crystallized for me that got me really excited. Number one was, I want a bigger heart, and number two, I want a broader mind. And I think I'm eager to have a bigger heart because I recognize that the most rewarding times in my life have come from being available to people and helping them re lead richer lives. That's always been a, a really kind of fun thing to do, and I want more of that. And a broader mind, partly because, you know, I like learning new things. That's kind of an inquisitive person. I like just to read but I also like to learn things that can help me have a bigger heart. That's the sort of main reason why I like learning about new things. And so that's what God has going for me right now. It's sort of, that's where I'm tapping into the richness of every day is through this idea that I can have a bigger heart and a broader mind. But here's the interesting thing that I really wanted to spend some time on today and explain carefully, okay? This is something that makes finding the richness of life work far more easily than we might think possible, okay? This is what I want to spend time on. Are you ready for this? Okay? And it's this. It is Jesus himself 
who helps us live life to the full. It's actually Jesus. It's him. It's himself. You see, Jesus gave out so many wonderful, excellent teachings that I think that some people think, okay, if I collect all these teachings and I form some sort of big religious scheme or church or, or, or mindset or whatever, this will make people's lives better. And there's some truth in that, right? His teachings are so great that if you apply them, they work, right? But if you only did that, you would miss the whole point of those teachings. Because a lot of the time, in fact, most of the time, Jesus is offering himself in those teachings, He's saying, come to me. I'm here. You know, if you boil them all down, you get a sort of paragraph like this. This is Jesus speaking. I'm just sort of paraphrasing all his teachings together right now. I'm real. I exist. I can be part of your life. You can know me. You can talk to me. I listen. You can be my friend. I'll look after you. You can receive blessings. We'll work together to bless other people. And it will be life of the full, and we'll have a ton of fun doing it. Does that sort of ring true to some of us who know Jesus? Yeah, okay, good, good. And it happened this week with that thing where he said, like, you know, I'll grow you a bigger heart and a a broader mind. And Jesus says this in all sorts of different ways uh, throughout, throughout the Gospels. And one way he said it was when he said he brings light. He says, I'm the light of life. I bring light into your life. And he says, I'll do that in person. He doesn't just say, here's this light, and I'll throw it in your direction. He says, no, I am the light of life, and I'm coming into your life. And you see that in this passage from John's Gospel. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf... My testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I'm going. I am the light of the world. I mean, that's just baseline great, yeah? (laughs) Great, that's fantastic. I, I myself, Jesus, right? And you know what else I love about this passage is just how emphatic Jesus is here. You'll notice this. Look at these totally non-conditional words, right? Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You can't mistake what's going on there, right? It's, it's for us if we want it. If we want it, we have that light. And we'll never walk in darkness. And now I, that's quite a claim. I can understand if you're sitting here today and you feel sort of down, um, that that sounds implausible. I mean, there will be dark times in all our lives, and we will have to walk through them. No one's going to be able to go through all through life and not have dark times. But Jesus is saying something like this, okay? He's saying, like, just see your life as a pathway or a road or a journey, and then see me as the guide or the fellow traveler And so, yes, as we go through life, there will be dark patches on this road. But I'll be there alongside you, which means that the darkness that we stumble across will not be able to overcome the light. The darkness will not be able to get you lost. The darkness won't be able to ensnare you. In fact, Jesus says, 
over time, probably, what's going to happen as we walk together, and, our, and I'm the light in your life, is that we're going to stride confidently towards good things in your life. And so if you look at it like that, yes, dark times may, may occur, but they're not really darkness in the sense that we can't see anything because we always have Jesus, because Jesus promises to be our light constantly. And because he does that, we're able to find the richness in every today. And let's look at what angers the Pharisees here. So the Pharisees were the religious teachers of their day. They had substantial power. They were, the, they were, the, they were really clever guys, right? They, they, knew every, they knew how to like do religion in a very intellectual way, and they pieced it all together, and they, and, they, and they sort of had this vast, intricate system of rules, and that was their way of doing faith. And Jesus didn't see it that way. Uh, his approach was at loggerheads to the Pharisees because Jesus' approach was different. What was Jesus' approach? It was to offer himself. You say, over here you have vast thicket of rules, Pharisees, vigorously enforced, very clever, very smart, and over here you have Jesus himself. Right? Big, big difference. Right? so different that you see it coming out in this passage. And that's why they clash. It was the fact that Jesus was offering himself that made the Pharisees so angry. I mean, they say to him, your testimony is not valid. In other words, what they're saying is because you're saying it, because you're offering yourself, it simply can't be true. But Jesus says, no, it's a valid claim precisely because I'm saying it. It's because I'm making this claim that you should believe it. Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, he says. I mean, that's how importantly he wants to get through to us about this fact that he's offering himself. And it's really helpful. It has incredible real-world implications for us today. For instance, let's imagine you're finding it hard to celebrate today, okay? You have a lot of difficult stuff going on. You're exhausted, whatever. I don't know. And connecting with Jesus might seem totally out of reach to you, or maybe you're really new to all this, and you can't even begin to picture how anything that I've talked about could work in your life. Okay, I get that. But what do you think Jesus would do when people feel stuck like that? What do you think he would do? Do you think he's going to just let you stew? Is he going to sort of sit there at some distance enjoying your confusion? Is he going to enjoy being perceived as a, a bunch of ungraspable concepts or esoteric spiritual practices? Or Is he going to do all that? Is, is that how he's going to respond to your confusion or your stuckness? No! He's going to try and get through to you in a way that works for you. Right? He's going to get through to you in a way that works for each one of you. He's going to meet you exactly where you're at today in the context, in the reality, in the messiness of your actual life. And I don't know what those ways will be, and I, I mean, but if you're hurting in some way, he will ask you where that pain comes from. He'll ask you just to tell him. And that's where you'll start. You see, Jesus brings the light into our reality. 
He's the light in the darkness. And his light gets everywhere, I found. You know, he, and we, we're, even when we open the tiniest crack, Jesus' light just pours in, right? And, and I know this. I know something about light, not just a spiritual light. I'm an avid photographer, so I live for the light, okay? You know, the, the Inuit are said to have 50 words for snow, but I can tell you that I have a mental record for the scores of different types of light that drape New York through the year. And today, it's like a classic fall light with a slight haze. So, yeah, I want to be out there with my camera later, you know. But I know that even the tiniest bit of light can banish darkness. And I know that because I still use film. And you can't get any light on film before you use it um, or else the film is ruined. And that's why for certain cameras, I have to load the film in a ridiculous light-tight tent like this. Or maybe not. <laughs> so that's kind of how powerful light is, right? But Jesus' light ruins the darkness, right? Isn't that just an amen-worthy statement? Jesus' light ruins the darkness. It just pours in and banishes it. it. It has enormous power. And that's why just turning to Jesus... And saying, I don't know much about you, Jesus, but I'll take whatever you have. Just give me something I can understand. It's huge. It's huge because we're immediately on that road I was talking about where Jesus' light is constantly creating opportunities and, and, opportunities and the actuality of living life to the full. No matter what is going on. I want to stress that again. No matter what is going on. And so one of the things that we get fired up about at the river here is talking about practical ways that we can have more of that light, more of Jesus, more of Jesus himself. And that's why we have practical suggestions at the end of the sermon, because we know that theory does not bring you home, right? So here's my three practical suggestions. Number one, ask God to do something good. You know, one of the things I, I like to remember, if you want to find the richness in every today, is to keep it simple. You know, life can be complicated, but our responses needn't be. And Jesus kept it really simple. I mean, as we've seen, one of Jesus' main teaching was, look, I'm offering myself to you. Um, and the other one was, a lot of the time, pray for good things to happen. Pray for God to come through for you in important ways. Pray for people to be healed. Pray for peace. Pray for Haiti. Pray for good things. We've got plenty of things to do on that front. And we can pray good things. And we have a prayer team stocked with well-trained people who love to pray for good things in your life. So today, if you go back there, that would be a really great way of seizing some richness from today. So go get prayer when they come up. They're specially trained. They, they, they're fantastic. And... I was thinking about this because, like, I had a weird flashback this week. I couldn't get this weird flashback out of my mind. Um, so about five years ago, um, my neighbor, he's a sort of high-qualified doctor up at Columbia, he got really sick. Um, he got one of those awful bugs that you pick up in hospitals, and then he had to take the incredibly powerful antibiotics that you need to get rid of those um, bugs uh, out of your system. And he had a terrible reaction, like a lot of people do, to the antibiotic. He was just lying for weeks and weeks in his apartment with this agonizing rash on his body. And I remember sort of praying for him because it was so distressing. And my wife, my wife would actually go downstairs and pray for him in person because, you know, she's better at this stuff than me. And, um, 
And then, thankfully, Mark, as his name was, uh, eventually recovered. Um, but recently, like this last week, I got this weird feeling, I don't know where it came from, that said, like, you know, did you pray enough for Mark? I don't know where that sort of awful thought came from. It hung around like a bad smell. So I talked to God about it. And I felt him say, you know, no, 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 hold on. Your prayers, Peter, were very much a part of what I did to bring relief to Mark. And again, I don't know why that came up, but I think it was to underscore that just, just we, we often don't know whether our prayers have an impact. But they do. It's God saying they did. They do have an impact. And it was just a great example of God's light, Jesus' light, banishing the darkness in that situation. So with total abandon, pray for good things to happen. It can definitely help us grow a bigger heart and find the richness in every today. And like I said, take a pit stop in prayer team today. Get some of that goodness there. Secondly, make today the day, okay? Make today the best day. I mean, why wouldn't today be the best day ever? Why? Come on, argue. Argue with me. Why wouldn't today be the best day ever? Why isn't it? See, no one can come up with a reason. It could be the best day. Maybe it is the best day ever. Maybe tomorrow will be the best day ever. Maybe yesterday was the best day ever, right? Make today the best day. I love BuzzFeed's 26 reasons today is going to be the best day ever, okay? Number one on their list is your wildest dreams will come true, and this is what they have for this. My one wish is for it to rain tacos. Who wants to argue against raining tacos? Anyone? Bring it on. <laughs> so make today the day. As you might have noticed, the... There's an emphasis in, the, emphasis in the title of our sermon series. It's called Find the Richness in Every Today, okay? And we've underscored every today for a reason, and it's a really important reason. We're saying the richness of life will be much, much richer if we approach it as something that exists in every day, right? It's there. It's here. And Jesus actually made that observation. He said that in his sort of great talk on worry where he, you know, said, you know, God provides for the, the flowers and the birds. Of course, he's going to pray for you. But I particularly love that caustic line in the teaching that Jesus says. He says, each day has enough trouble of its own. I just love that line. It kind of sounds depressing, but underneath it all, it's actually really optimistic. It's deep and optimistic because what Jesus is saying is that your reality is happening right now and it's complicated, it's challenging, it's exhausting, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, there's all these confounding gray areas, but I am here with you and I can help you live life to the full right now, today. And that's a message that we cannot hear enough, particularly if we're working hard for our dreams. We become so focused on the future and we become so intent on getting things, achieving things, that we use up our, our, our energy just thinking about those things in the future, and our whole thought life gets distorted or tilted towards the future. You know, we're like, okay, one day, I can't wait for the day when I have that job that that guy has, or one day when I have more respect in the place I work, or, you know, when I have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse, and I don't have to fret about the rent, or when I have a more vibrant, healthy faith. Oh, those will be such much, much better days than the day I have today. And look, dreams and ambitions like that are kind of okay, 
and we can't really live without having some sort of aspirations, and it's sort of okay to work hard for them. But my point is that we can overweight the future and underweight the present, and by doing that, we end up shortchanging ourselves now and in the future, right? So think about it. Why would we shackle God's promises to time and circumstances? Why would we do that? Why would we think they're all going to be in the future? They're not. They're today. Enjoy the promise of a full life today. You know, if God is good and bountiful, which he is, he'll provide it. Now and in the future. You know, catch those tacos. (laughs) Number three, practice the examine, okay? Like I said at the beginning of this talk, life is kind of sneaky, and it's puzzling, and reality is not clear-cut. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're not actually very clear about ourselves either, right? We're not aware of what we ourselves are contributing to our relationships. I mean, there's a big uh, element of self-deception in all of us, and we never get rid of it completely. And so, generally speaking, self-awareness is a, is a healthy thing. It's a good thing. Um, If we're more aware of of the negative stuff we bring to situations, we're going to have healthier, funner, better relationships, and we're going to find more richness in every today. And God loves to sort of open our eyes to ourselves, does it gently. Um, And last week, Charles introduced a spiritual exercise called the Examine, which comes from St. Ignatius, um, a Catholic um, saint, I guess he was. He founded the Jesuits, and you may have heard of them. And the examine is winsomely explained in this book that we have for you downstairs, which I urge you to buy, called Sleeping with Bread, and you'll understand the reason. We're sold out? Okay. All right. That's how good it is. It's sold out. Okay? These guys are on the internet as well. I checked. I did some due diligence. I did the reporter thing and made sure they weren't scam artists. Um, and, um, and Sleeping with Bread, it, you'll understand the title when you read the book. Um, you know, it's almost as good as a good taco. Um, and a uh, a good part of the, a big part of the examine, as they call it, is asking yourself each day two questions. What was uplifting about your day and what really dragged you down? And doing this can provide surprising clarity about a lot of things, but it, it can provide clarity about yourself, it can make you more self-aware. And I found this out this week because I was doing the examine and I had quite a sort of interesting revelation. Um, you see, I'm doing something in my life which you might describe as a... Um, good work. It's altruistic in nature. I'm trying to sort of directly help somebody. And, and I've been finding for weeks that this good work, if you want to call it that, is really dragging me down. I was finding it so trying that I was actually feeling like, you know, pain, you know, physical pain. And, and because it was so obviously dragging me down, and I asked the examine question, what's dragging me down? I put this thing out there to God. And as I prayed, in all of this, I could see the situation more clearly. And look, I'd already understood that this situation was giving me stress, so I wasn't like unaware of that. But what God showed me was that somewhere deep inside, I had given up on ever getting any joy from this. And that was just the wrong thing, wrong place to be. You know, basically, I'd hunkered down internally and said to myself, you know, I'm I'm just going to get through this. I'm going to push on. I'm going to plow ahead. It might not feel good, but you know what? One day, maybe some good will come of this. And I thought, that's the right thing to do. It was grim, but it felt good in some sort of twisted way. 
And then after doing the exam, and I was like, all that became untangled, and Jesus' light got in there, and I was like, you know what? That's ridiculous. Actually, some good can come from doing good. You know, it can feel good to do good. And, and, and so I, I, I started continuing doing this thing I'm doing t- this, this last week, and it did feel a lot better. And it was just a great example of how something as simple as the examine can work, I feel. Jesus was the light in the situation. He was helping me have a bigger heart. He was helping me enjoy having a bigger heart. He was helping me enjoy the richness of the day. And so in some ways, if you look back at my last week, it was a pretty regular week. Nothing really big happened. But it was also a miraculous week because some huge things happened. And that pretty much is life in Jesus. I mean, he said it. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>